Our first speaker is Sandy. Thank you, Sue. Hi, everybody. Hi, um, my name is Sandy. I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I live in Fall River, Massachusetts. And um, I'm so used to doing tech that I can barely remember how to actually talk. So just give me a second here. Thanks. I'm going to start with something I, I know, which is I'm going to screen share a picture of me from, I think I was 26 years old when I took, when this picture happened. So just can get that picture up for you. Okay. So the thing I want to tell you about this, when this young woman, other than please admire those shoulder pads. I mean, come on. That was, that was a beautiful, glorious time in American history. Um, I look at this picture now and I see a beautiful young woman. And when I was that beautiful young woman, I thought I was fat and ugly. And that kind of breaks my heart, sort of makes me cheer up. And I wish I could tell you that she went from there. I think I went to my first OA meeting in probably about 1990. And they said that I was going to write down my food. And I was going to tell another human being what I ate. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. And I ran screaming in the other direction. And what that meant was that I then spent the next, I'm going to stop this for a second, but I'm going to come back. It meant that I spent the next 20 years, 20, yeah, 20 years dieting. I'd already started dieting when I was 12. I went to pay in ways. Um, and then I spent those 20 years, if I'm completely honest, I spent pretty much the time from 1990 to 1992, I spent it trying to do anything but work this program. Every diet on the planet, to the point where I got myself, all that dieting got me um, to this. So this is 2009. This is 324 pounds. This is the result of 20 years of dieting, which adds up to 490 pounds, lost and gained and lost and gained. Um, very often when you hear people speak, there's a lot of cautionary tale. So my cautionary tale is don't go to meetings one and two and, nine, and then wait 20 years to go to meeting number three. Just keep going to meetings. Um, what happened after that? Good question. So I did my last dramatic weight loss in 2009. And this is the story about what I call the when then. So the first set of when thens when I was younger are when I lose the weight, then I'll get a really cool boyfriend. When I lose the weight, then I'll get a really cool job. Those were the early when thens. After 20 years of dieting, the when then was, when I get diabetes and high blood pressure, then I'll do something about the weight, right? Well, guess what? 2009, 40-something years old, uh, 48, and uh, high blood pressure and diabetes. And I said to my doctor, I said, if I could just take a pill three times a day and never have to make another food decision, that would be heaven. And she said, well, 
I have a program I could send you to, which was a, a medically supervised weight loss program. Um, I'm just going to say the word. They were little shakes and you added water and, and they were, I ate no food for six months. I just had these funny little shakes and I lost 120 pounds. So you would think, well, problem solved, right? No, I lost 120 pounds in six months. I got down to what I consider my ideal body weight, um, which is a size 14. I am 5'11", so my numbers don't tend to line up with everybody else's numbers. Um, but here's the problem. When I, when I lost 120 pounds, I gave up my suit of armor. I gave up my barrier that kept me safe from the world. I also gave up my emergency. See, as long as I had this horrible health condition, I didn't have to deal with the lack of intimacy in my marriage. I was, I was an adequate, but not really great, not really present parent to my son. I was sort of a rotten daughter, but I didn't have to deal with that because you see, I had this emergency that I had to solve, except that I solved it and I wasn't ready to deal with any of those other things. So, and I certainly wasn't ready to live in a world where I was attractive. And um, so little by slow, gradually, I put 60 pounds back on. It probably took about a year. And I knew in my heart of hearts that if I didn't get help, I was going to end up weighing more than 324 pounds. The story was not going to end well. At this point, I'd been going to... Um, 12-step meetings in another fellowship. I will say that um, my mother passed away in 2016. When she passed away, she was 34 years sober. God bless her heart. And um, she, like the good mom that she was, she'd been dropping literature and gently sending the little nudges that, you know, 12-step programs work. And she probably contributed to me going to those meetings in 1992. And um, I don't know that she actually said it, but I kind of knew that. So I was in the Al-Anon. And all of my friends that went to that meeting would go to this other meeting on Tuesday mornings. And I was like, what is it? And they said, OA. And I went, Ugh, because that is my response every time somebody tells me it's time to do another 12-step program. Got to be honest, it just is. But I started going to the meeting and I, I got my desperation. I understood that I was um, out of options, that I had no other solution to the problem, that I needed to deal with my food issues. And um, I had to learn what abstinence is. So let's take the focus off me, but we'll come back to me. But I wanna talk a little bit about abstinence because that's what you're here to hear about, right? So start with the easiest definition first, which is the OA definition of abstinence. And just bear with me while I put it up on screen. So what is abstinence in Overeaters Anonymous? Abstinence, the action of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working toward or maintaining a healthy body weight. And I want to tell you, I think I thought there was another piece to this, but the way I pulled it up on my screen, I can't find it. But anyway, okay. So um, 
to what happened then. So I lost about 40 pounds. And I did it by stopping eating flour and sugar. I did it by writing down my food. I did it little by slow. And I'm here to tell you that it took a lot longer that way. And that I relapsed after seven years of that kind of abstinence because that kind of abstinence was still me negotiating with God. I'll, I'll eat this, but I'm not eating that. Or I can keep this, I'll let go of that. And it didn't really work. I was still eating compulsively and I relapsed. And this is the last piece of the, the most recent piece of the puzzle is that I thought I was 20 pounds overweight and I thought that was okay for my age. And then in the last two years, I had to get really honest about my abstinence. I relapsed. I started taking my will back. I started negotiating with food. I was probably always negotiating with food. So um, I owned that I was in relapse. I got a new sponsor to work with, and I started working something that I now understand to be entire abstinence. Um, no sugar, no flour. And by no sugar, I also mean for me personally, no artificial sweeteners. That became the pivotal key to unlocking the, the entire abstinence. And from that process, I lost the last 40 pounds. And the miracle of that is I now weigh what that beautiful young woman weighed in 1986, except she thought she was fat and ugly. And I kind of think I'm all that, which is a miracle, right? I walk by a reflection and I see these long legs and this like skinny body. And I'm like, good God, smoking hot. Yes, 59 <laughs> years old. Yes, wrinkly. Yes, a lot of skin, but you know what? I clean up good and I, it pleases me to see my face and body. And that's, that's, that's good, right? Isn't that part of what we're here for? Acceptance? So that's been a miracle in my life. Okay, so I'm going to read a little bit out of the um, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm going to try to put it on camera a little bit. I'm just going to read um, the first page of step one, which in that edition is page three. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. And the spiritual principle of this step is honesty. In Overeaters Anonymous, we begin our program of recovery by admitting that we're powerless over food. Some of us have had difficulty with this admission because we've had so much experience in trying to control our eating. At one time, or periodically, most of us were able to do so. Our eating may be out of control right now, we persisted in thinking, but someday soon we'll again find the strength of character needed to limit our eating excesses. And this time, we'll keep them under control. For all of us, however, the days of controlled eating grew fewer and farther apart until at last we came to OA looking for a new solution. So that's what I had to do. I had to own that I was powerless over food. There were foods 
that I was allergic to, I could not eat. Not because of the effect they had on my body, which was they would create craving, but because of the effect they had in my mind, which is they would create obsessional thinking, right? I'd get involved in those. I'd have relationships with certain food products. It's not cool. Not recommended. Like the minute I start negotiating my head, I'm like, okay, that food needs to go. I think I'm going to run out of time soon. So I just want to check in my brain. Oh, if you're brand new, you might think, what's the difference between a plan of eating and abstinence? Or what's the difference between abstinence and the list of foods that I eat? And that's a great question. So for me, Abstinence is, at the simplest level, abstinence is what I don't eat. I abstain from certain foods and certain food behaviors. A plan of eating is what I do eat. I um, talk about abstinence with my sponsor, and I figure out my plan of eating with my nutritionist. And listen, I can it, nutritionist was a four-letter word for me for a long time. I really thought I knew more than every nutritionist on the planet because I had been there and done that. And it it took me letting go of the last little bit of defiance. And now I have a nutritionist and I love it. I just love it. It's not my job to figure out what I eat. It's such a gift. It's just like I just commit my food. I commit my food to my sponsor. I, I commit to the number of things that I'm going to eat every day. I write down my food every day. I use my nifty little app. I'll put my contact information in the chat. And if you want to reach out to me, I'll share with you um, what app I use and all that kind of stuff. But I write down my food. I, um, I stay below a certain number of calories because one of my primary issues is quantity. I weigh and measure all my food for the same reason. I don't know what four ounces is. I don't know what six ounces is. I don't like whatever it says on the package for serving size. I don't really agree or approve of that number. I don't like it. So then I start having the conversations again, right? About So that's negotiating. So that's why I turn all that over to um, somebody else. What else do I want to tell you about? Um, if you hang out in program, and I hope you will, I hope you're new and you'll hang around, you might hear people say the road gets narrower. So the question is, do I eat fewer? Are there more foods on the do not eat list? Yes, there are more foods on the do not eat list, eat list than there were two years ago or five years ago or seven years ago. And you know what? The miracle is I don't care. It's fine because what I get instead is I get something called food neutrality. So that means that I am not interested in foods that are not my food. I'm not interested in what you're eating over there. I'm not interested in the latest and the greatest product that has come out that they have amalgamated 70 foods into something shrink wrappy and miraculous. I am very proud of the fact that I can um, get in and out of the grocery store in 20 minutes a week because I am not reading labels anymore to try to figure out if that kind of, that thing has sugar in it or this thing is, you know, the right kind of a sugar. I just don't do any of that anymore. I just go get the food that I eat and then I come home and I eat it. And it's kind of wonderful. It's kind of lovely. And it frees me up. 
to be able to be present. I'm present for my son in a way I never have been before. I'm present in my work life. I have, I'm able to concentrate. Oh, I should tell you all, this is kind of amazing. Um, 2009, diabetic and high blood pressure on um, medica oral medication for diabetes. And I, I'm completely done. I don't have diabetes and I don't have high blood pressure anymore. Um, I still get my, you know, my numbers checked to make sure I'm okay. I actually go to the doctor. I don't know about you, but that was kind of an issue for a long time, that level of self-care. Um, Sandy? Yes, dear. Sorry, I was so engrossed that you, that you only <laughs> have three and a half minutes left. I wondered. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. Um, I think Sorry. I, I feel like, uh, what did I forget? What did I forget? Abstinence plan of eating, definition of abstinence. Um, for me, it goes beyond uh, what I eat. It's also about behaviors. Um, I don't, uh, I try not to multitask when I eat. It's a work in progress. I put my fork down between bites because I eat fast. I don't eat standing up in the kitchen. I bring the food out and I put it on, you know, a table with a table, a little placemat, and I eat and I put the fork down between bites because I need that kind of help to slow down my food. Um, I'm trying to think what else. You'll hear other people share other compulsive behaviors, eating in the car, eating after midnight. You'll hear lots. I hope you'll stick around and you'll hear. Oh, here's a good place to end. One of the things that was only recently explained to me was identifying in versus identifying out. So when I arrived in 1992, I identified out. I didn't, I made it that those people were bad and wrong and I didn't belong there, even though I kind of knew I did. So now I identify in. I find the people that work the program the same way I do. I find the people that have the same kinds of challenges that I do. And instead of saying, oh, that's not me, I say, oh, yeah, I do that too. And that's how I identify in, and that's a great and good gift. And if you can give yourself that gift, I hope you will. And Susan, I think with that, I'm going to wrap it up. And I just thank you so much for the opportunity to do service today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sandy. Our second speaker is Nancy B. My name is Nancy Beecham, and I am a compulsive overeater, and I am in love with Overeaters Anonymous. I have been abstaining, not a member of, abstaining on this program called Overeaters Anonymous for 45 years, and I am maintaining 150-pound weight loss. And I have a request. I would like to ask everyone who possibly can to turn your cameras on. I believe this is not an I program. It's a we program. If you take the I out of illness, and you replace it with a W, you get wellness. So if we work together, and I would like to see you, I would like to see your eyes and talk to the people who are listening to me. So if that's humanly possible, that's just my speaker's request. And I'd like to ask the timer to please give me a beep when I've done 10 minutes, another five, and I have one left. Thank you. I did not come to Overeaters Anonymous to lose weight. I would have never believed it would have worked 
and I had done it so many times, I would have never have been believed in a million years it would have lasted. I thought I was doomed. I came to Overeaters Anonymous because when I walked down the street, I was so ashamed of who I was that if I saw somebody I knew, I ran to the other side and hid. My children hid in closets when I would come home because I was bringing home men from anywhere who I thought could help take care of us because I believed I could never get a job and function as a real human being and that they wouldn't have a chance to survive. My parents were so ashamed because at one point I was helping run dope over the border with heroin addicts because I thought they would be my friends because I felt that lonely aching that only an addict can feel. And that's how I got here, full of resentment and anger, a ball of rage and fear. 300 pounds, five foot two, and willing to do anything not to feel that pain. And when I went to my first meeting, there was a gift. A woman from the South Bay got up and she said, Overeaters Anonymous did not open up the gates of heaven and let me in, while Overeaters Anonymous opened up the gates of hell and let me out. And I was hooked. And back in those days, 45 years ago, I read the tools and I I, I read a lot of the steps and I never saw relapse. I only heard that your suffering and struggling could be over at that moment. And so from that moment on, I looked in those rooms. And as Sandy just mentioned, I heard the people who were happy, joyous, and free. And I heard some people who said they had been doing this for five years, for 10 years. And to what I did is start to follow them around. And believe me, I was out of my mind. And in those days, we had no speakers. We really didn't have our own steps, our own, we had nothing. We just had with the people from Gamblers Anonymous and Overeaters and I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous were coming to our meetings. They were our speakers. And they didn't let most of us sponsor it. We had seven, eight years. They told us we were crazy to sit down, shut up and listen. And so I am so thrilled for that foundation. I am so thrilled that they handed me a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and that they turned to the doctor's opinion. And in this little thing called the doctor's opinion, it says very clearly that there are just some types of people who are normal in every respect, except there is an effect that when you put alcohol inside of them, that occurs. And this effect changes everything for them. Although they are often able, intelligent, and friendly people, exactly as all of us in these squares are today. However, what happens is when they start drinking, they get this phenomena of craving. And at the end, it says, we are familiar that it can only, only be permanently eradicated by one action. And it's called entire absence. And then I turn to a book that was written by our founder, in 19, I believe it was in 19, um, say OA was founded on January 17th of 1960. And this is about 1966-67. It's called, I Put My Hand in Yours, the first publication. And in it, she says, 
abstinence in Overeaters Anonymous means abstinence from compulsive overeating. It is truly as simple as that. According to nature, it is necessary for food to sustain life. According to the compulsive overeater, food is necessary to face life. And she says, we cannot simply say, okay, I'm going to abstain from compulsive overeating. We need something more definite than that. So we suggest that we get three moderate meals a day with nothing in between, but lower no-cal beverages, and we avoid binge foods. These suggestions are a wonderful guide. However, OA as a whole cannot participate in any food. For me to tell you what I eat could kill another person who's listening today who may have a different type of this disorder. So I'm going to suggest that if you have a medical problem, such as overeating, you see a doctor or a nutritionist to get a plan suited. But that you remember, and in the very first food plan that we ever published, it said, compulsive overeating and abstinence is refraining from guilt-free eating. Didn't mention food in the definitions of absence back in the days. It talked about how I ate and how I behaved and how much I thought about food. Get a chance to go to a restaurant, get call ahead and ask for the menus. And they gave us a lot of suggestions. And here's my first one I'm gonna give you today. I'm a very practical, I'm gonna go with young woman. <laughs> I got a cooler. And I took it with me everywhere I went from that day going forward. And in that cooler, in those days, I had a can of string beans. Now I have a container with a lot of raw vegetables because I found out I was an angry person. And it's good for me in the middle of the day, every day in my abstinence to crunch. So every day I try to eat some celery and cucumbers and things of that nature. And now I'm on a no salt diet. So I, for me, and so I have these packs of sodium reduced tuna. And inside of it, there's a certain amount of ounces, which is appropriate. And I have some applesauce because sometimes uh, sugar-free applesauce, that's appropriate for me. And I carry these things with me automatically. And it's like everything else. I used to put a certain substance on my food a lot. It's kind of red and sugary and it starts with a K and with a P. And you know, when I came here, I realized I couldn't do that anymore. And the first year it was hard, but after a while I got so used to another substance that was yellow that I, I loved it. So I found out I had a lot of bad habits around food and all I had to do was do them for a while and they would all change. So what happened for me is I believe abstinence has a lot more to do than what I put in my mouth. I think abstinence is how I behave, that I talk appropriately, that I'm proud of who I am, that I become a woman of dignity and one who can represent Overeaters Anonymous. And Roseanne wrote another story in Lifeline years later about why she finally realized she had to have a goal weight. Because in order to do what we're promised here, to trust God and clean house, to learn to make our bed every day, and to set a home that if a newcomer shows up, I'll be proud where they are. I had to change a few things in my life, my playthings, my playmates, and my playgrounds. I didn't have, when I came to Overeaters Anonymous, people in my life that lifted me up. People in Overeaters Anonymous started to say, Nancy, you were whole. 
you were complete and you were perfect. I had a boss that told me you were too fat to take lunch breaks. And it's Friday. Those children can be sick and talk to you on Sunday. Hang up. And you know, nobody treats me like that anymore. Because in the principles and the traditions of this program, I've learned how to live a life. A life where people that come into my home are kind to me. And if you know you have arguments and you want to talk about outside things that are opposite and fight, we can do it in the park, but not in my home, because that's my little castle where I can be alone with God. And I have learned that if every day I try to be a better human being, and every day I try to grow and get a little closer to a higher power, that there are days and there are moments when I can look outside. And I'm in a beautiful area now because I moved there eventually. And it did not happen overnight. I have been here for decades. But I look out my window and there's nothing but trees. And there's leaves blowing in the wind on those trees. And there are moments when there's squirrels going up and down those trees and birds singing. And there are days when you know what? Even if that day was the day I was told I needed a mastectomy, even if it was the day that my dad died, even if it was the day that my ex-husband walked out and took every dime we had with us, it didn't matter because I abstained that day. And what absolutely- That's 10 minutes, Nancy. Thank you. Gave me that courage. And there goes the phone. Gave me the courage to be able to keep going on. So without abstinence, I had no foundation and no structure. So abstinence to me has to do with the food, but I found out, and in those days, we didn't worry about our red light foods and our green light foods and our pink foods. We worried about what we could have, and we stayed positive. What I couldn't have, so what? That damn stuff almost killed me. So I wanted to go on to stuff that nurtured me. And every time I go to pick up a morsel of food, I stop and ask God for that moment of clarity to chew my food slowly and to leave some food on the plate. And you know, if I'm having a hard day, even in a restaurant, I'm right-handed, I use my left hand and it slows me down. And I often ask the waitress to bring me a small plate. And I put, and when I get something, I cut it in half and I've learned, all these tricks from my food sponsor. My food sponsor did not tell me what to eat. She was a bulimic and she needed to eat more food, you know, and we were very different, but she taught me all the tricks that got her coming back here for so many years. And I do stick with the old timers. And I suggest to you that you are new, that you do try not to work the steps in four weeks. And I suggest that you try to get a sponsor who's been doing this for a while. Because what we have when we've been here many years is experience. We have experience in going through hell and high water. And no matter what, you know, on the day they told me I needed that, that cleared the margins in that lump up to me and I needed this mastectomy. It was around the time I had just come clean with my hanging skin and my body image. And now I was going to lose my most feminine body part, you know, but you know, that's just life. And that's what happens. So I poured myself a cup of tea. I wrote a gratitude list and I called for members of Overeaters Anonymous. And I did not share my illness. I shared my wellness. And I said to them, how are you today? And in listening to them, I forgot all about me. And that's the magic and the beauty. If I keep my hand in a newcomer 
and the other hand, in an old timer, I learned when the sponsor who founded this program, when her sponsor, Jean Smith, who used to sponsor me, wrote a poem. It was, she, the Overeaters Anonymous was 25 years old then. It was to honor Roseanne. And here's how it went. As I walk with God, I stop running. And as I stop running, I can face myself. And as I face myself, I am facing God. Gene Smith for Overeaters Anonymous, Lifeline, 1984. You know, I began to realize that I put poison in me my entire life. And all that food did eventually was make me mean. I could not stop shoving this poison in my mouth. And finally, it became toxic to me and to anyone around me. I cannot explain to you how this works because I have stopped analyzing it, and, but I have begun to really utilize it. And I would tell you, as I just turned 79 years old, I have never looked so good and never felt so good in my life. Now, that doesn't mean that I do not have congestive heart failure. I do not have complete fatty liver cirrhosis because I arrested these things when I was 33 years old and came into this program. But now at 79, they've all kind of come back. And I'm in a lot of clinical trials and doing everything they say, because Overeaters Anonymous has taught me to call in my food, which taught me to follow direction. And I don't believe it was the food I was calling in that mattered that made me made friends with a human being in this program. I was tricked a lot in this program. People told me to do service for them because they couldn't and they got me hooked. And I will tell you that service has been the magic word. I went to work on the public information companies and ended up working at one of the biggest television networks in the world, you know, working five for minutes left. And when I got this big career going, my sponsor told me you have to quit and maybe you can get a simple job there because you're still only 15 years in this program and you're pretty new and you've got a lot to learn. And you have children to raise who are very messed up. And one of those children has not talked to me for 30 years. She blames me for all her troubles. So every youngster that calls me every day, I get to have a second chance, you know, to be there for her. I have learned to give up fighting because I do believe I cling to a death grip, as it says in our books. I cling to a death grip for things that are bad for me. You know, and I'm very addictive towards the men. I've always been. And that's something that took a lot of time and a lot of work. And that only came through putting God first. And again, I can only tell you as far as abstinence goes, it is the most important thing in my life that I now, if I could take you to my refrigerator, which I wish you could, because I'm on the region two business conference and I popped off that. I've been on that all morning to come here and I'm going back. And tomorrow night, I'm very involved in a thing where our founder made a tape years ago and we're playing it for the first thousand people of Roseanne talking about the beginnings of OA. I'll be speaking there. My meals for the next two days are prepared. You know, my little chicken pieces and my little turkey portions and, and, you know, they're all cooked. And I've learned now, I'm really not that interested in how food tastes. For me, it's just to nurture my body. And again, every morsel I pick up, I say, is this going to nurture, nurture your body? And I do that with every human being. Are they going to help you? And I turn now really quickly to honesty, purity, selfishness and love. 
the four absolutes that we founded AA on. Every day I say is what I'm thinking honest. Is it true or is it false? I am such an exaggerator. And purity, is it right or is it wrong? And selfishness, is what I'm doing today, well, will it affect another person in the world or in my home? And love, are all my attentions wonderful or are they a little bit ugly and off color? Am I trying to get something for myself? And when I put these concepts into my life, I begin to truly work our steps, which have principles and our traditions. And I think for so many of us that there is so much here in humility. We are so based on the grounds to have abstinence. And I will tell you why I abstain. Because the um, co-founder of AA has on his desk a plaque. And it's about perpetual quietness of the heart. And he talks about to have no troubles, to not fret, to not be irritable or sore, to wonder at nothing that is done to me. You know, that when nobody praises me that I can still be at rest. And when I am blamed or I am despised, I can still be calm. I can have a blessed home in myself where I can go. And I can have a deep sea of calmness when all around me is seemingly trouble. And that's what I have learned by abstinence. And that's the reason I have abstained for 45 years. Because there is a story called Keys to the Kingdom in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I hope you all get a chance to read it. It's the last page of Kings to the Kingdom in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it says there, you know, it talks about that I've had my share of problems and I have been rich times and meaningful times. However, I have had heartaches and disappointments. One minute. Life, I have known a great deal of joy and peace. However, it goes on to say that in the fellowship, we get together because of our mutual pain and despair. But then we get a new found reason for working together, an understanding of love. It says, now I have a sense of belonging, of being wanted and needed and loved. In return for a bottle and a hangover, we have been given the keys of the kingdom. And I know that on June 28, 1976, when I sat in my very first seat at my very first meeting, I had reached the promised land. I had reached the place where I would walk under an arch of free man. And I will close this little talk. I certainly wish I had more time, as you can see. I have a lot of joy for this program and what it's done for me. But I'll close it by saying that in success, I believe every one of you here today listening can be a success. And I'm going to tell you how. Abstain today and call somebody after this conference is over and ask them how they are. You may be changing their life for them to know somebody cares. So every one of you, just by being in this meeting and hearing this, has a chance to follow through and be a great sex today. And my thanks to Region 9 for allowing somebody from another region to come over and share with you today. And to Sandy, who's just become such a dear to me. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy, um, for participating in Region 6 convention. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, we'll now open the floor for two-minute chairs. Um, will the host open the um, chat for everyone? Can they ask questions or is it just shares? 
Um, to share, please use the raise hand function found in reactions. If you need help, you can chat uh, to a host. If you are calling in on a phone, please press star nine. The moderator will call on you when it is your turn to speak and you will see a prompt on your screen asking you to unmute. Please select, select unmute to speak. Please say where you are from and how long you've been in OA. Reminder, our traditions state that OA has no opinion on outside issues. Some examples of outside issues are politics, religion, diets, treatment programs, non-OA approved literature, and other 12-step fellowships. Therefore, please base your sharing on OA experience and do not include outside issues. Please stick to the topic of this meeting. For those that arrived late, the topic is what is abstinence? The meeting will now open for sharing. Who would like to share first? Kimberly. Hi, everybody. I'm Kimberly. I'm a compulsive overeater in OA and abstinent for 35 years. And um, I just want to thank Sandy and Nancy so much. Um, I just love everything I heard. Um, you have both filled my heart. I'm so grateful for recovery. And I'm so grateful for service. Because I don't know if anybody else had a hard time picking which workshop to attend right now. I had a little resentment at my program friends for putting three great topics <laughs> at the same time. And I, there was a, a, a service spot that was open. And what do you do when, what does a co-chair do when she's asked to fill the last open service spot? She has to say yes. <laughs> so I think um, maybe my higher power saved this spot just for me so I would be here. So sorry to talk so fast, Christine. Anyway, uh, thank you, Nancy, for zooming in from out west. Thank you, Sandy, from zooming in, for zooming in from Rhode Island. And thank you, everybody else, for being here. And I could keep talking until you raise your hands, but maybe if I put my hand down and shut up, you will raise your hands. Thanks. Thank you. Who else would like to share? You can raise your virtual hand by going to the reactions button. Pete. Hi, I'm Pete uh, in the UK. I've been in the program for four months. Um, this is my first conference and I'm loving it. Um, wow. Um, Sandy and Nancy, that was so positive. It's so... I've been in for four months and I've, I got to step eight and then I slid back and then I went round steps one, two, three, and I'm at four now. And it's, it's, I'm finding I'm a, I'm calling myself a bubbling pot of resentment and bitterness and anger and it's, it's all coming out, but it's all good and I'm getting great support. Um, but to hear your stories is fantastic. It's great to see such positivity. Um, it, it's just fantastic. It's so uplifting. Um, that's all I, that's all I wanted to say really. Um, it's really, it's really um, got me so wonderful. Thank you very much. I pass. Thank you, Pete. Beth. Hi, I'm Beth. I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, I just wanted to thank Sandy and Nancy so much for your sharing. I, I really, I didn't know what I was going to say, but I'm really grateful also to Pete for that idea of how positive it was, you know, 
uh, just, I know all the good ways my life has changed, but um, just the idea of being able to see the good where I never could see it before. I, I heard all of that in your, in your sharing in both of your sharing um, and the joy is just, is just uh, fantastic for me to, um, to get to experience as well. Um, I'm a little distracted by that noise. Sorry. Um, I, anyways, I want to, I want to thank you um, for the, Oh, I know what I was thinking of It's both of your sharing reminded me of something that I heard just recently that somebody had written that um, addiction is giving up everything for one thing and recovery is giving up one thing for everything. And um, the speaker last night uh, said, I came to lose weight and I gained a life. And I have uh, experienced that as well. You know, the old thing we came for the vanity and stayed for the sanity, but I'm so grateful for the life I had and that you all are in it and I'll pass. Thank you. Can we take a question if there's no shares? We can take a question if there's no shares. Susan P. Hi. Oh, I better time myself or I'll carry on forever. Want me to time you? <laughs> no, that's okay. I got it. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Susan. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, yes, the shares were amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, I just wanted to share a little uh, bit about my abstinence. When I first came into program, uh, my don'ts, my what I don't eat, what my abstinence was, I love that, is was no chocolate and no eating after supper. That was it. I could eat all day if I wanted. I could whatever. So that was my very first abstinence. And then obviously things got added because I'm a sugar addict. So almost all the sugary things are on there. Still not all of them yet. So, you know, there's that. Um, <laughs> but I just, you know, if you're new and you're just starting out, start small and, and make, make it black and white and easy to, to get some recovery. Um, and add on. I, I looked at what foods I was eating and how they made me feel and whether they were good for me or not. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I just wanted to share that. Thanks. Thank you, Susan. Wayne. Yes, my name is Wayne. Grateful compulsive for your food addict. <clears throat> I want to thank both of you. Uh, I heard a lot of honesty and a lot of gratitude. And I can relate to a, a lot of the things that both of you said. And uh, and I too, like the same thing is, I I started out with the red, green, all of that, but then I ended up with now all I do is just food I eat and food I don't eat. And that's, I, so I don't have to think about it. I just, that's not my food. I don't eat that kind of food. And that's the bottom line. I just try to keep, I have to break everything down to keep it simple because I'm a simple person. And because I like, I always like to complicate it. I was always complicating things and I was, that was my, one of my favorite things to do. So now I just break it down. Everything I do is keep it simple. And 
And, and that's the bottom line. And thanks again for you guys. I uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm done. Thank you, Wayne. Jeez, I still find that difficult. Hello, hello, everybody. My name is Jeanette, and I am a compulsive overeater, and I'm a sugar addict. I have to thank uh, both of you, Sandy and and Nancy. Um, my God, uh, you both have helped me so much. I was going to go to another, uh, you know, not lecture, whatever, but I said, you know, abstinence. I still get confused about what it means to me, and it was only by virtue of the fact that you guys did explain what it meant to each one of you and Nancy. Uh, I, that, your exuberance and your, your earrings, I think show your kind of personality, your short haircut. Uh, you were, you were really so joyful. And I had to say for myself that I'm tired of sharing uh, negativity or people who I talk to, they want to know about my problems and I'm very willing to talk to them and they love to help me. I'll be honest with you. I always was the, um, what do you call it? The, 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 the one that was sick, even in my group. And I've been in AA for many years. I'm tired of it. I'd like to be, uh, more like, uh, both of you understanding what your abstinence is. And I'm still, I'm still, I don't want to be honest. I don't want to give up my balsamic vinegar and tons of salt. I don't want to give up. And I wonder, am I ever going to enjoy my food? Am I ever going to when I give up everything or do I just do it to nurture myself? Right now, everything I love is what I have to give up. And I have a feeling you're going to say, well, everything I love is <laughs> what's not good for me. Anyway, thank you. This convention has been beyond. And I want to thank my sponsor who has guided me to this. And I want to thank uh, you both so much. And I love the fact that you have us seeing and that you wanted to see our faces. That's so neat. Bye-bye, you guys. Thank you. Okay. Who's next? Can I throw in a basic saying? To get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody's got any questions on abstinence? John C. Unclicking all the buttons. Hi, everybody. My name is Don, compulsive eater and food addict. Uh, January will be 40 years for me since I came into the program. Uh, shortly thereafter, I hopefully, one day at a time, I'll celebrate 38 years of abstinence. Maintaining about 185 pound weight loss now for three plus decades. Um, what I learned in the program early on, and then eventually, I, I, I just followed the directions early on. That was the main thing. I argued and argued and argued about everything under the sun. And they said, You come here to argue, or you come here to get well. And I always thought that was a trick question, but I was in bad shape. And I said, Okay, tell me what you want me to do. And they told me what their experience was and what I needed to do. 
And uh, so I began to do that. And of course, it started with a food plan. But what I learned fairly early was that this wasn't about deprivation. This was about going to freedom. I was being deprived by eating all this crap. I was a prisoner of this. Learning a new way of eating was, in fact, going to show me the door out of the damn prison. And so I first thought deprivation. They said, no, 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 Don. It's the opposite. And you know what? I trusted them because they seemed to know what they were talking about. And it was true. So I've been free of the obsession for a very, very long time. I don't think about the food. I know what I eat. I still write my food down every day in my daily journal, every morning, still write it down. Believe it or not, after all this time, I still weigh and measure at home. I just do it. It's just habit. And it's what I need to do. But I'm not thinking about food at any time, no matter what's going on in the world. And I have some serious health issues going on now. Well, food never comes to mind. That's not what I do. Food is a drug that I don't need to take to try to comfort myself or escape. So uh, abstinence is about being free. Uh, a food plan is just one of the tools. We use it to help us get there. But abstinence for me is just a result. It's about freedom, having the obsession lifted. But I got to do the work. I wish it were a magic wand that touched Fine. me on the top of the head and said, bang, that's it. But I got to do the work. So that means the planning, doing all the things that I need to do to do it. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Hi, I'm Dee. Um, thank you so much for the speaker sharing. Um, really, really incredible. I am a recovering sugar addict, still a food addict or compulsive overeater. I'm on 100 or 207 days absent from glucose. And I am not sure how that happened. And I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm afraid because I can't integrate. Like, it's like, I just say that and it's like a lot of detachment and and I don't know how it happened. Um, there was a lot of sugar binging into sugar comas before that, um, you know, two or three times a day. So it's it's like I want to integrate my abstinence so that I can keep up with, like, what's the reality is today. Because uh, there's also fear about what about if I, if I don't integrate it, then what if I can lose it? Like, if I can't even understand how it's happening. Um, and then I, I had... Uh, Two other um, quick questions um, is just that, um, yeah, that like, if how do I deal with the fear of missing out at not attending food events? Like, if I'm, I, I know I need to go really full abstinence, um, and you know, for example, there's a meal fundraiser and friends are going, and yeah, I could bring my own food, but the whole point is it's a fundraiser for a meal, but I'm going to be missing out on the social element, so by not going. So I think I, I've just opted out not going. Um, and then just another question about um, when, as I have more energy from being abstinent, more energy to participate in life, I'm going to see some friends and I'm, they know now that I'm not having any sugar and they're seeing that I don't eat things and making accommodations and I'm expressing my needs. And there's this fear of what if I relapse and I'm going to look like a total failure that I told them and this is what I need. And then I go back on it. And I know I, I can't worry too much about tomorrow, but it's just about, how to incorporate, you know, my food needs without feeling all this shame or even inviting shame, you know, not necessarily needing to say that it is a problem of mine, just to say, this is what I eat and this is what I don't eat and how to start having those conversations to support my abstinence with, as I participate in life more. Thank you. 
We unfortunately are running out of time, Dee. What I'm going to ask is that if you want to stay around afterwards, yeah. we'll ask some of the old timers to stay around and talk to you. Um, Natalie, you're the last the last comment of today. Oh, oh, hi there. <laughs> hi, thanks. My name is Natalie. I'm a compulsive overeater and uh, bulimic. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for uh, this topic and for everyone's sharing. And uh, I, I did have a question around uh, abstinence. Um, if any of the speakers had abstinence um, with uh, compulsive exercising, they can speak on that. Thank you so much. Okay, again, we're going to close the meeting and then we'll stay open for a few more minutes with those who have questions. Um, we'd like to thank everyone who attended the workshop. Um, and I'd like to thank both of the speakers and all those who participated and all who worked at the workshop. We'll now close with the serenity prayer. Everybody can unmute if you'd like to and join in the serenity prayer. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, and the wisdom to know the difference. I'm going to jump on and try to answer all these questions in a kind of a couple of sentences because I think the answer is pretty much the same. Readers Anonymous, we live in the now. We live in today. And when we really get into prayer and meditation, we learn to live right now, right now, in the moment. Um, and I suggest for all of you that maybe you can get a little lemon tree and put the lemon tree on your porch or on a windowsill and watch those lemons. They just kind of bounce around and they grow and some get brown and some get yellow and some get white. And, you know, they don't seem to care if they're fat or thin or this and that. They just utilize the sun. And I think that for us, you know, when I was new, I asked somebody, well, I'll have skin if I lose 10 more pounds. And they said, just lose it and then we'll worry about it. You know, and the idea is we have a program here where we learn to write. Do God help me discover the truth of what's really going on? And you'll find all your thoughts are thoughts that really aren't very valid. Anything I thought got me a seat in Overeaters Anonymous, you know? And so I learned eventually that I had to clear out my mind and that this was a program of learning to be quiet and to be calm. So my suggestion might be perhaps you think about clearing out your schedule. And maybe just for six months or for a while, maybe don't go to your family event. Maybe on Thanksgiving, you go to a meeting and you get four members of program and you eat your appropriate foods together where it's safe and you get some fit spiritual condition under your belt. Because when we get a little stronger, but it takes time. And I think that we have to give the disease the fact. And I would also suggest you get a pen. Like these are my butterflies that my sponsor gave me. And I wore them every day to remember that I was just a butterfly learning how to fly. And they told me they would tell me when I could fly on my own without, you know, I learned to go to a meeting before and after I went to the family to take somebody with me, take my own car. But it took years. And, you know, nobody has ever told me to stop wearing these butterflies and fly on my own. They've told me the more you, the better you get, the more you need to be here. So I just want to pass on. Easy does it. And slow down.
And one more time, this is a disease. I would tell that disease every time it rears up and tells you to do something to shut up and tell it you're going to get well, that you're an Overeaters Anonymous and you're going to abstain no matter what. And all you need to know is your name and your food plan for that day and some people to call. I would be making a lot of phone calls and not worrying about what I'm going to do tonight or tomorrow. For right here, right now, you're safe. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Emily? Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Nancy. Um, Boy, I I think we would all like to hear uh, from both of you for another half an hour. I would. I'm definitely going to hunt this podcast down so I can listen to Sandy and Nancy whenever I want. But I do want to pay attention to time because we have another keynote at four o'clock and we want to. Sorry, Christine, I talk too fast. I tell everybody to talk slowly. I'm okay. Thank you to Christine. So, uh, yeah, Christine, you're marvelous. But uh, we want to make sure that we um, have a few minutes with the newcomers. So Claire, I see, is here. And I would ask uh, everybody else, you're, you're welcome to stay and eavesdrop if you want. But we're going to let Claire have a conversation with the newcomers. And we hope you'll join us at 4 o'clock uh, for the uh, next keynote speaker It's just a fantastic convention and thank you all for making it so.